Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome back to the Preps and Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Collin. Max, how's it going? I'm doing all right, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, a little tired, but we're, we're chugging along uh, recording uh, our third part in a row of our mailbag special before the draft, answering questions that all of you sent in to us to, to answer. So without further ado, without rambling, let's finish up the questions. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect. With many teams strutting their stuff, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, first we've got from at Jetty Better. Uh, do you think Caleb Wesson will be drafted? Uh, probably, like maybe. Uh, I I think there's a good chance he goes in like the late uh, second or like mid late second. Uh, I could also see being a UDFA. I mean, I think he probably should be drafted. Like I draft Caleb Wesson. Um, has a lot of problems, like some useful skills as a big man with like the, the really quick decision making and the passing. I think the shot's gonna be pretty good. Like smart team defender, like worth the draft pick probably. Yeah, I said borderline. I think if Caleb Wesson wants to be drafted, he'll be drafted. Yeah. If if he doesn't want to accept, like if teams are willing to draft him, but we'll put him on a two way, then he and he doesn't want that, he won't be drafted. But uh, I think if he wants to be drafted, he'll be drafted. I like Caleb Wesson relatively. Uh, yeah, good big man shooter, pro- shooting prospect, uh, smart player, really nice short short roll passer. Just like a guy who I really really enjoy. Um, I don't really think that he's an NBA guy, but maybe he's a really good shooting big. That's that's definitely possible. Yeah, um, I mean the, the passing is just like unlocked somehow. Like yeah, like he he's gotten better as a vertical athlete as he's lost yeah. weight, uh, but he's still really. Continue to prove, improve athletically. I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he's still not good, uh, but he's gotten like very tangibly better. Uh, I think between uh, this year and last year, I think he, he lost like, a lot of weight. Like, yeah, and he like doubled his block percentage. I think, um, yeah, to a to a very like not a high number in his junior year, but he I think he did double it between his sophomore and junior years. Um, oh, not double it. No, he in- increased it by uh, by a third. Um, 
So yeah, he uh, he is a good player. If he if he's a really good shooting big man, might make it. Uh, I think probably will get drafted if he wants to get drafted. Definitely enjoy him. Hope he makes it. Same. All right. This is from Mac One underscore Phil. Over the time you guys have spent analyzing basketball and prospects, have you discovered any biases about how you assess players or the game that you've had to overcome? Like, has your opinion of what makes a player good or not so good changed? Uh, I've always valued IQ really, really highly. Just understanding of the game. I think it's pretty much the most important thing out there. But I've definitely added emphasis on advantage creation. Um, It's just the most important thing there is, being able to get a defense into rotation and uh, start and generate good looks for your team. That's the most important thing you could possibly do. Um, But the, I'd say the bias that I'm always like pretty concerned about is aesthetic bias that at the end of the day, we're, we're big time uh, reliers on, on the eye test. And just because something looks impressive doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually all that valuable um, you know, I, it makes me think of like, there are some Malachi Flynn possessions for sure, where he'll like split the pick and roll and then, um, you know, hit, hit some tough runner or something like that. And it's like, yeah, that looks really awesome. And it's pretty, it's pretty helpful. But at the end of the day, that's not that high value shot. Um, or like it comes into play with like BJ Boston sometimes for me, that's like, okay, yeah, he, he's amazing. And, and, um, and, and all that, but, uh, you know, am I being seduced too much by some really cool step backs? Um, I don't think that's the case. Like, I, I would be J. Boston, I definitely would be Boston. But uh, I'm always worried about aesthetic bias. Yeah, there's certainly that. Like, just whether I, like, enjoy a prospect or not, I think implicitly or not plays a part. Um, like, there's definitely something to be said about, like, just having a more negative attitude towards a prospect who, like, does not pre- pre- present a positive viewing experience. Um, to, to where it can be harder, you know, to keep a level head and think 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 critically and positively uh, about what they bring. Um, I think there's definitely some of that. I think I also definitely have a bias towards like high field prospects, at least somewhat. Like just besides, I mean, the type of players I enjoy watching, like high field smart players, um, just like the players who I personally enjoy watching play basketball. So I think there's definitely some un- subconscious bias that I have towards uh, players like that, which I've definitely I think repressed. Like this year, I mean, I kind of have the exact same answer to Max. Um, this year, I value shot creation, um, advantage creation, scoring just in general a lot more than I did last year. Like if I had like last year brain, I'd probably have like Ant Edwards quite a bit lower than I do at this point. Um, or a decent bit lower. I'd probably have someone like, I don't know, like, like Halliburton higher. Um, just changing my valuations. I think for the, obviously, hopefully always for the better, you're evolving as an evaluator. Um but yeah, I mean, it's a pretty similar answer. Just always got to be careful with like understanding, like, is this a player that I hate watching, even though he's actually kind of good? Um, so you should kind of be aware of that in your evaluation. So Yeah, and then there are, there are all sorts of other things that come into play, situation that we try to mitigate by seeing guys in many situations. But yeah. sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you can't find a guy outside of, outside of a given context. Um, or sometimes there, like, there is just like small sample bias too, like, yeah, there are, yeah, there are, there are anchoring issues as well. Like if you, if you see a guy and you have a very poor impression of him, maybe that actually helps going forward because you're, you know, you're judging him against such a low starting point. 
Um, I mean, and that works in reverse as well. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. That yeah, if, if, that someone can disappoint. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have to be careful, especially when you're doing um, multiple year evaluations like we're trying to do. Uh, I think it's important not to get too married to that prior and then give a guy either too much credit for what may actually be marginal improvements and put him at a spot that isn't actually all that good for, for the age he is or the stage he's at as a prospect. Uh, and, and the inverse that if a guy doesn't take huge leaps or something like that, uh, don't knock him too much. Um, yeah. yeah, there, there are a lot of, there's like a little like selection bias as well with like, like who's like, which guys are popular and available to you. Um, I mean, there's, we could talk about like all, all of the biases, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, you just gotta be careful. Um, ben Rubin like has like a good list of, of biases to be careful of. I think it's like called like 211 questions about scouting basketball. Just like there's ways to be careful of, of, of what kind of what you're evaluating and trying to evaluate as objectively as you can. Though it's impossible really because none of us are truly objective in our evaluation. So yeah. Also, draft Twitter echo chamber. Um, yeah, exactly. Group thinking. Yeah, yeah lot lots of group think. Um, that I, I've definitely fallen victim to it at times, trying my best not to. Um, but at the same time, you you know, you don't want to be overconfident. And if someone you, you trust, you know, thinks differently than you, um, you know, that does not mean that you're wrong, but it, it does bear consideration. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to our next question. Um, again, from Hoops underscore MBA has a question in every episode, I think. <laughs> Not sure how we let that happen. Uh, what do you make of Robert Woodard's potential as a 3 and D swing? Uh, basically answered this on, on one yeah. of the previous pods, but Robert Woodard is a precisely fine player. Um, he's pretty meh. Yeah, he's he's fine and 6'7 with like a plus wingspan. That's cool. That's useful. I think he'll probably last in the NBA. Um, wish he did everything faster. Wish his processing was faster. Wish his leaping was faster. Uh, also does a lot of things well, though. Like, yeah, I wish he covered ground faster. But yeah, like I think uh, probably a better passer than he's given credit for by a little oh, bit. For sure. um, like while he does t- need load time, he can get up. Uh, he like can make rotations, but again, he, he just kind of gets there slowly and doesn't necessarily necessarily see it so fast um i do I think that, that he has some issues as well with he'll get he'll get to the to especially plays at the rim and then uh be really weak on contests and, and shy away from physicality uh but i think he's a fine forward uh and that's useful yeah yeah i pretty solid like uh the shot is okay like show some like off movement stuff volume is kind of low i think the shot's gonna be okay um i think he's gonna be like a decent rotation for like and that's something like like that's probably worth like a late first round, early second. Like if you can get that, just plug him into rotation. Cost you not much. Like yeah, he's he's solid. He's he's all right. Yeah, I, yeah. There there's a lot of appeal in being six seven and just like fine. Yeah, like six seven and like pretty good at some things. Like it's a it's a really good way to have like a seven year career in which you make like ten million dollars or something. Yeah, and that's that that that's great. Like yeah, yeah, good for him and. Uh, yeah, useful player, uh, not amazing. Not yeah. bad, just fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, next from Celtics fan 695 Should the Celtics look at Marcus Howard in the second round UDFA, or is he too much like Trey Waters? Should they also look at Sam Merrill? You want to just take this more broadly. Uh, 
would you yeah. would you draft Marcus I mean, Howard or prioritize him as a yeah. DFA guy? Back? I mean, I thought about like I mean I wouldn't really, um, especially not over like Trey Waters, who I think is significantly better. But like Marcus, like a ridiculous shooter, no doubt, ridiculous shooter, scorer, shot creator, all of that. Um, but just like being five eleven with no other standout aspects in his game is very concerning. Um, to where like I would I would totally understand if if a team or somebody was enthused about like drafting Howard in like the fifties or wanted them on a UDFA I think it's totally fine like I don't hate that but I'd rather take a swing on somebody more interesting um, like I think Sam Merrill is like considerably more interesting than than Marcus Howard who I've like continually started like to keep rising on to where I think he's firmly in my top sixty at this point though like I still have my concerns with you know he's like twenty four and is not really the athlete that you know he could be. Um, but he's like a legitimately awesome shooter in all facets of shooting with some actual secondary passing. So like Merrill's definitely somebody I would, I think I'd prioritize um, in the late second or with the UDFA, but not Howard for me. Yeah. There's not much to like from an NBA standpoint from Howard beyond his shooting. And you even have to be concerned with the level to which that will translate given his size and level. if, If it doesn't translate fully, then like he's got no chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really think he's an NBA guy. Uh I think there's a point where I guess I would take a shot on him. Uh but not not huge on Marcus Howard. Uh Merrill, I would draft. I like Merrill. He's good. Uh really good shooter, underrated defender. He's pretty solid in that regard. Like tries on the ball and is not terrible. Um and a really solid team defender. Uh yeah, really good offensive player. Fine defensive player. I think maybe maybe a rotational like combo guard. Uh, incredibly slow. Uh, it, it, but it, you know, like an off-ball shooter with some passing that a combo. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, not not really a combo. More, yeah, yeah undersized wing. Like, yeah, yeah like, like, yeah, like. But in the modern NBA, that like, there's certainly a place for that. Like, yeah, that's he's not, that, that's not an archetype that can't find a spot on the floor and be valuable. He's like, he is a a good player on on both ends of the floor. If an NBA strength and conditioning program can get him to be a little bit faster, uh, he will, I think he'll definitely make it. Um, an NBA team can find a way to get him a little bit younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not ideal either. But he's a really he's a really good shooter. Really, and I mean, you're not looking for like a crazy upside swing with him. Like he's I think I think a pretty safe bet to like contribute, assuming a few things go his way. And like in, in like the second round, like late second UDFA, that's all you can ask for. Like. Yes, he's 24, but there's not – how many better options are you, are you getting? Yeah. No, there aren't many. He's, he's pretty solid. Um, all right, next. Uh, next, we have Phil, our friend Phil, at Advanced Stats 23 again. Who is the best pick-and-roll ball handler in the draft, and why is it Malachi? <laughs> uh, I think you said earlier that it is Malachi. I don't think it is Malachi. I think Malachi was the best pick-and-roll ball handler in college. Uh, I will give him that. I think he was a better pick and roll ball handler than Cassius and certainly Pritchard. Um, but yeah, I think he was the best pick and roll ball handler in college. I think Killian and Lamelo are better pick and roll ball handlers, yeah, at least fair. as prospects. Yeah, um, yeah they might not currently be better, but I, the, the just the differential in passing between those two guys and Malachi is really yeah, enormous. Like they really, really bring a, a level of terror to the defense that Malachi doesn't, even though he is a good passer. Um, the the creativity and manipulation that those two have, and just like size, the fact that they have access to passes that Malachi yeah. can't throw. Yeah. I, mean, I mentioned more earlier as like 
in like as a player now, like I think projecting, I agree with you. Like I just have Lamelo. I think is the best pick and roll passer. Yeah, um, but uh, Malachi, very very good pick. Very and roll. very very Ball good. Hunter. I think should be very good, especially if he lands in uh, a good spot. Like in like incredible pick and roll player. <laughs> yeah, Be- best. I would give him best in college basketball twenty nine for, for sure. Yeah. All right. Um. Next one. Next we have. Um, I'd love to hear what you two think the future NBA looks like and how that applies to your draft ideology in a similar vein to the heliocentric debate you guys had with PD, but on a more macro scale. Um, I think there's a couple like different ways that like, different archetypes can be more prevalent. We talked about, I think it was like late last episode, we talked about three in rim protection, like ground coverage force. Um, yeah. that's an archetype that I think is becoming more and more prevalent. Um, you just need those guys to cover ground and like also need them to space and have some ancillary offensive skills. Like Pat Will and Poku on the high end, you have Jaden and Woodard as other ones. I think more secondary creators that aren't primaries bringing real value. Um, so we're like a lot of like, like without these big creators, I'd be shying away a lot more from prospects like Maxi and Kyra and Cole and even RJ because they're just like very much definitely not primaries and you know small guards who aren't primaries traditionally aren't that valuable but you know with the emergence of these big creators who create offense and and take up um take up bigger guys on defense um there's room for like smaller non non primaries to thrive like having a guy like maxi who can just eat attacking off of the catch and play good defense and shoot um, similar for Kyra, someone like Cole, who's going to be a blindingly nuclear shooter. Like these, I think we're going to continue to see more of these like non-primary guards still carry some real value in the draft and in the NBA. Um, obviously, the, the good ones because they they just can exist. Obviously, like 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 the primary, the small guards who are legit primaries, those are like incredibly rare, and the ones who do exist, like those are never those are not going away as like the top value guys. Like you need those primary creators to to win titles. Um, yeah, those are like the main two, like, uh, main two heliocentric impacts on like, on like just the draft in general. Yeah, I think it's a, a bunch of concepts that we've discussed either in this series of episodes or, or in the past. Uh, I think the rangey forest thing is very much going to be relevant, especially, uh, with with the proliferation of shooting bigs. I just, I don't know that we're going to, that fours are going to have to shoot necessarily. Like Zion is, is his own thing. Um, but I, I, this is one of the reasons that I'm more in on Mobley that I think that this rangey four thing can, can, can exist. If you're a hyper mobile, um, like brilliant defensive four who makes these crazy long rotations, uh, can like, you know, handle the ball in transition, and um, you know, ha- have the skill and athleticism to to add value offensively in other ways. If if there is a five who can shoot alongside you, it it can certainly work. Um, so I think those guys are very valuable and kind of going to be a thing. Uh, but um, you know, not not just non-shooting guys. You know, there was also like you know, we've got Paolo coming that 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 sort of guy with these just all around fours. Um, yeah. Yeah, as the initiators get bigger, which I think is a pretty consistent trend, uh, just a new evaluation of guards where you're looking for for guards that I think are considered more similarly to wings and maybe even kind of like a, a largely a vanishing of that 
like six foot to six three class of players, uh, unless they're kind of very much of the maxi mold where their their size doesn't really inhibit them that much. But you can afford like play wing, play more wings and bigger guys if you have a bigger creator. Like, and you obviously want to if you can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, just playing as many uh, larger guys as possible. But I think that uh, yeah, the the smalls are gonna have to get better at wingy things. So playing off the ball, adding values, team defenders. Um, they just kind of change. and But the, I think there are then, you know, more different avenues uh, that you can be a different style of, of smaller guard maybe. Um, so I think that that's definitely going to change. Uh, we've talked in the past about uh, copycat league. Milwaukee is the best defense in the league. So more drop coverage coming. And with that, you know, yeah, obviously more drop bigs, but more, uh, point of attack defenders who can really fight over and stay attached. Um, more point of attack defenders who can really fight over and stay attached and are also bigger to combat the big initiators. So that's your Isaac Koros, your Josh Greens. You know, those guys are like physical outliers, but that style of player uh, you know, will become more valuable at the very least. I don't know about more prevalent, but certainly more valuable guys who can yeah. obliterate screens at that size. Um, yeah, that's all I've got. All right, next question. Uh, Celtics fans, 695 again. Best built for the Celtics if they trade up? Uh, Killian and Onyeka. Yep. Yeah, pretty simple. Um, yeah, if, uh, should we get into this at all? Might as well. Yeah, so Killian, check out the, the old Killian extravaganza. Or um, like any other episode, really. Yeah, or any other episode. Um. We've done the we've done these all so many times, Ben. This is what happens when you have a seventeen month draft cycle. We're really going in circles, but yeah, man. But we're so close. Oh my god, we're so unbelievably close. Uh, when people are listening to this, the draft will be four, five days away. Five days away. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, isn't that unbelievable? Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Killian. Uh, I think the Celtics are well positioned to optimize him on both ends of the floor. Defensively, uh, he's at his best, definitely operating at the nail um, where we've seen Jason Tatum have so much success. Um, Just a brilliant guy with drive deterrence from that point of the floor with his positioning, with his ability to stunt and dig. Um, Then at the point of attack, his size can be very overwhelming for regards. I think probably best suited to, a second perimeter creator rather than the first, but will really maybe take those guys out of games. Um, yeah, really, really would be optimized defensively there. Uh, offensively, a, situa- a, a an offense where there's a lot of horizontal movement, where a lot of different guys are getting ball handling reps, I think is, is really well suited to Killian, that he would be able to attack tilted floors off of Jason Tatum. Uh, I think that would be... Very beneficial for him, uh, and I think that it's a, definitely a, a situation where I trust the coaching staff to get him to where he needs to be as a shooter as well. Um, should we do Onyeka, or do you want to talk about Killian at all? Uh, I don't have much else on Killian. I mean, Onyeka, like, he provides, like, the the very mobile, pick-and-mobile, versatile big that the Celtics want for the playoffs. Um, would be awesome as a roller as well and a screener with Jason Tatum. Um, and Kemba Walker and whoever is there. Just like a really, really solid player, as we talked about 
um, makes sense on both ends as, you know, they don't really have like a long-term big solution. And I think Onyeka could potentially be that. So, but still like not sure it's worth trading up that much to, to get Onyeka. Um, yeah. I think the case for Onyeka is that they're, that coverage versatile big men are very, very valuable because they're very scarce. Um, a guy who can bring a lot of value as a pick and roll defender, no matter the style of the team that he's playing against is really useful. And I think Onyeka can be near elite in a variety of different coverages and really seamlessly move through them. Uh, he's a very good help defender, um, will be one of the better role men in the league, is a guy who I think, yeah, can operate in DHO a little bit. Um, what I has made enough strides as a passer that I'm pretty confident in the trajectory that he's on there. Uh, def- definitely working on the short role. He, I, his said this is a million times at this point his best game as a passer was his final game at usc which is i don't know a nice a nice little development trajectory thing and and there was real market improvement throughout the year at usc and between his time at um uh what's it called chino hills and um <laughs> and usc uh so yeah onyeka kamu does make a lot of sense in a trade-up there are serious value issues there this is another thing that, that I addressed on that appearance on, on winning plays. Uh, there are value concerns there for sure. I think they're very legitimate. Whether you want to be investing that much in a big man, uh, how you handle paying him. I don't know that the Celtics have really shown that they want to invest like that in big men that they can kind of get by with this platoon situation. But I think there's a strong case for it. And Yaka Kong was very good and would make them. A lot better, and I think he's a serious ceiling raiser due to that uh, coverage versatility. Listen up, fellas, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience, and it's waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, should we go to the next question? Sure. Um, we have at OrenLevy1986. Is this draft deep with role players or is it flat out bad? Uh, there are waves to it, I would say, because of the way that teams are going to pick guys. There's, there are going to be really strong complimentary guys in the mid first. Then I think it falls off pretty hard. Then there will be some more nice plays in the early second, I think. 
Um, maybe, maybe in the late first, but uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, it's yeah. really, really I lacking. Think, like we've talked about this before. Like there's like aren't a lot of second round guys that like I'm really going to bat for. Um, like t- you have Tilly, like Hinton, Tillman if he falls. Like it seems like Vane and Joe are trending up. There's aren't a lot of guys like. Even if you look at like last year's draft, like you had like in the forties, you had like Horton, Taylor Norton Tucker and like Iggy Brasdakis and Terrence Mann and like Trey Waters. Um, and even like lower down, like I like Justin Wright Foreman like better than a lot of guys in this draft. And like, <laughs> like even earlier, you have like Cody Martin. Like there were like legitimately solid some solid ones last year, or this year like there really just aren't. Like it's it's bad. Like you said, like based on the way teams value prospects. Um, to us, to us at least, there's going to be a lot of good complimentary guys from like five to like twenty. Um, I think there will be some good UDFA wings as well. Yeah, potentially. I, I actually, yeah, I, I like that from again from that that best plays pod. Uh, I I like the UDFA wing play. I think there are some good options there. Yeah, there are some um, solid ones. Yeah, uh, but it's bad. Uh, there, there's not a lot of. There are not a lot of good top end gambles, uh, and there are, there are no like there aren't a lot of of big swings to take even as the as the as the first prog- or as the lottery progresses. Once you get past like the fourth pick or something like that, you're kind of out of guys that have creation equity. Um, yeah, it's not great. It's not good. Uh, you can see we're excited to be done talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not great, man. Uh, um, last question. Yeah, I wait, I don't have this one written down, so can you? Can oh, you don't. Know, okay. Yeah, last minute inclusion that I realized that we missed because it was replied under a different tweet than the main one. But yeah, I felt someone so- someone doesn't know how to follow directions. <laughs> yeah, um, that's our, our friend Jack um, at Jack Michael seventeen. When evaluating prospects, there's always a risk of completely. He puts in quotes um, risk of completely missing their ceiling slash floor. Is this something you think about when evaluating? And if it is, how much does it factor into your evaluation? Thanks, Jack. Do you want to take this one first? Sure. I took, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's absolutely something that factors in. You, like, you, you've got to consider a realistic ceiling and floor um, in, in your evaluations. Um, when we're talking about like upside gambles, um, you have to consider like what, what a prospect can realistically add. Um, like when I'm thinking about um, LaMelo Ball, like he can realistically improve his jumper enough to the point where it's valuable. I think, uh, you know, that just, just for an example. Um, but if we're talking about like the same thing for Precious, like I don't think Precious can can do that. So definitely have to consider like realistic upside and floor, um, consider role for that as well. Um, and just like the understanding for me that like floor and ceiling are, are often like over and understated. Like I think the top prospects tend to have, generally have higher floors than they get credit for. Like we've talked about this plenty, like LaMelo and Ant, like both like have avenues to succeed even if they don't hit top end outcomes and then like worse prospects like uh i don't know like somebody like i don't mean to like bag on precious like Jaden mcdaniels like we talked about earlier like if he doesn't like really is if he isn't really good at the things he's like supposed to be good at he's probably not going to be an nba player so those are the kind of the considerations i think about when uh evaluating ceiling and floor and prospects yeah i kind of thought of this in a different way it's it's like are you are you accounting for then I guess like not realistic ceiling and floor. We're, we're like I, I do think that that's you know it kind of sounds ridiculous when you phrase it like that, but there there certainly is a uh, 
method of analysis that that follows like well if isaac okoro turns into a great shooter he could be the best player in the class i mean sure that's true if um malachi flynn go, grows seven inches he could be the best player in the class and certainly isaac okoro becoming a great shooter is a lot more likely than malachi flynn growing half a foot but um you know it's not actually that realistic like, like there there is a level that okoro could conceivably get to but he's not going to become jason tatum um so i i don't like for totally ridiculous things that yes could happen that have a non-zero chance of happening i don't i don't think that's worth accounting for like there's there's no reason to price in um okoro turning into a, a great shooter um it's it's almost definitely not going to happen it's it, like it could happen but it is such an infinitesimally small uh percentage chance of happening that like if, if you're just doing an expected value calculation like it would be the expected value would be zero of that outcome because it's not going to happen um so no i don't account for like crazy things um like that uh when thinking about ceiling and floor that's why i think it's important to say realistic ceiling and realistic floor because you know the the f- absolute floor for any player is that they completely forget how to play basketball or like you know develop the yips like those those floors exist they happen um but it's it's not it's it's, it's so not we, a sign- it's not something like we can price in given the information that we have yeah like, it's not it was- it's not a it's not a probabilistically significant enough event to account for it yeah all right, uh, those are all the questions, yeah? Yeah. Um, you, want, you want to do some brief catching eye, guys? For a lot of questions. Uh, again, thank you all to for getting those in. Um, if you have any more questions that went unanswered, I'm going to plug our live sh- our live draft show one more time. Uh, we'll keep plugging it, actually. It's not the last time. Uh, we're going to be live We're going to be live on Twitch during the draft. Um, we'll have our you know our boards displayed. Uh, if you want to follow along to some other broadcast than the normal one you listen to, Consider listening to Max and I babble and react to the draft, and we will answer as many questions from the chat um, at that point and from whoever wants as we can during that time. So, yeah, if you're missing a question, um, you can always wait till then and have it answered live. So, yeah, we're to catching eye. All right, so the first guy I have is Josh Hall, who is a fringy wing prospects um he went he was supposed to go to i think nc state um he ended up doing like a a grad fifth year um played at moravian prep um and now has declared for the 2019 draft and i think he's actually like pretty interesting and like worth talking about josh hall um six foot seven wing um like very legit shooter like takes a lot of like tough threes pull-ups from, from mid and from three off of movement, different kinds of screens, like kind of ch- kind of bombs as well. Like but then like the touch is obviously really good on floaters and short jumpers. So like the shooting is like very legit. Like I think it, like he's like a very legit six, seven shooter, which on its own brings intrigue with like his handle isn't like totally broken. Like he can, he's not like an isolation creator, but like he can like maneuver a little bit and has some creation flashes against weaker defenders or in certain scenarios. Um, it's kind of where the good to me ends with Josh Hall. Um, offensively, he's like totally a black hole. I think there might be a little vision like in transition, but like he never passes. Like he takes so many mind-numbingly bad shots. And then like that's that's compounded by his inability to get easy looks. Like he has really bad burst, 
he's not strong. He shies away from contact. He's not vertically explosive in traffic. So he, he, he has a diet of impossibly difficult shots. Like he never gets open layups or dunks in the half court um, unless it's like a busted coverage. So he's got like a long way to go offensively. And then defensively, um, there are definitely smart people who I trust who seem to buy his off-ball defense a little bit. I have not seen that in like my sample, which is pretty pretty significant, I think, of Josh Hall games. I think he's atrocious defending off the ball. Yes, there's, there's like occasional flashes of rotational instinct, and but like so often he just does not try at all. Um, we'll just like not make rotations, or I don't know if he's not seeing them or just doesn't want to make them, or he makes them late. Um, he'll be like faced up, squared up with a ball handler in transition, and like lay them by and give up a layup. Um, it's just like so many bad moments on defense for me. Um, like I'm really not super enthusiastic about him and considering he's already 20 years old, like he's got a long way to go before he plays NBA defense. Um, but despite like the, the very real problems with Josh Hall, like as like a legit shooting six foot seven, six foot seven and a half wing with real touch and some shot making and a little bit of handling, like he's fairly intriguing. And I think worth like probably like two weighing or even drafting in like the fifties. I've seen one game of him will be doing a final pass before the draft. Um, yeah, he's a skilled offensive player. I don't have much more to add. Yeah. But it's he's very he's very evidently a skilled scorer. Yeah. A skilled scorer to to yeah, more exact. Like, sure. like yeah. he has he has a nice runner game, like he's a good shooter. Uh beyond that, I'm not sure there's there's a yeah. lot there, but he's six seven and has that and yeah. is like, you know, younger than Jordan Dora at least. Like yeah. if you're talking about guys that size who can shoot. Uh, and then I'll quickly mention his teammate Shaquille Moore, a six-one combo guard, kind of going to NC State. Not really like a real like NBA prospect, at least not now, but like really, really explosive six-foot-one point guard um, with some with some balance and shake and explosion. Like not an exceptional shooter, I think, or like an exceptional passer, but some real physical and scoring tools. Um, that's the one I'm like super like interest interested in, in for the draft or have like lots of in-depth knowledge on but certainly someone who like i have like marked on a watch list and like will be tracking uh for going forward at nc state so just just another name to kind of throw out there yeah on the theme of of weird path guys because that's those are the guys i've been trying to get a final look at for for uh the thankfully upcoming draft um i i went back to kj martin uh, I, I I don't think it's really there for him. He's too much of a tweener. Uh, he is an incredible vertical leaper, like really unbelievable, <laughs> like really, really unbelievable uh, vertical leaper. However, um, he's about 6'6 and not long. Uh, and his lateral movement is okay, but it's not good enough for an NBA wing. It's definitely not good enough for an NBA wing. And he doesn't have the length to go with that. As a finisher, obviously his dunk finishing is very good. His non-dunk finishing, I'm a little skeptical on, uh, just because he's intensely left-hand dominant, like really intensely left-hand dominant, kind of won't ever attempt anything with his right. Uh, And I think that hinders him a lot. So he's got like some nice touch with the left, but it's just, it's like really kind of, it's it's, it's akin to like the Trace Jackson Davis type stuff. Um, it's, It's not good. Uh, so skeptical of him as a non-dunk finisher, uh, skeptical of his movement ability has some, some actual like nice passing flashes. Like there are some moments on the, on the short roll, some moments out of the post where he can, where he can do that a little bit. Uh, 
But then the other problem with kind of projecting him as, as a wing type is that he shoots righty. He shoots righty and can't shoot. Uh, so he's like very evidently a lefty uh, and shoots righty. It's baffling. Uh, if he shot with the correct hand and could shoot, he would be a pretty real prospect, I think. But the combination of not moving well enough to be a wing, not shooting well enough to be a wing, certainly not having the length and height to be a big, um, it's just really tough. You have a just kind of brutal tweener. Um, there are some interesting things there with the passing, obviously with the bonkers vertical athleticism. Uh, maybe, maybe someone you could invest a two-way in and see if you can get him to shoot with his left hand. Uh, if he shoots with his left hand, maybe he's a guy. But if he were a little bit tall, taller and a little bit longer and moved a little bit better and shot with the correct hand, he'd be a very real prospect. But as is, he's really fringe. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of him. Someone I have to like pass through. Uh, one of the last guys I want to pass through again. I mean, uh, I mean, my initial impression was like uh, an athlete at his size is worth like tracking or maybe like giving like a summer league or rip summer league, but would in, in theory be worth like a summer league type roster, but not someone I'm like particularly interested in at this point. Yeah, I, I do want to reiterate how bonkers of a vertical athlete he is. It's it is nuts. Um, like un unbelievable. You have to see it. Uh, the one poster against like the the, Mo- the Mobley poster, but it, it's just like routinely in game is is taking off from like a step inside the free throw line. Um, just nuts. Just a a totally totally otherworldly vertical athlete. Um, with some some skills, but nah. The the whole the whole cohesive package. I don't think is there. Uh, not someone I would draft. Yeah, I mean, of these alt path prospects, I think Hall is probably the most real of like him and Martin and Scrub. Um, yeah, I think Scrub is kind of real as well. But si- I think similar issues to Hall. Uh, yeah. Total black hole, like yeah. comical. Yeah. Black I think hole. he's a worse passer than Hall. Where like Hall, like I think has a little vision, just like hates passing. Yeah, Scrub like really will never pass. Uh, it's bad. Um, his jumper is is, for I think the most like, part, very mechanically sound. But he has some weird like drift yeah, moments. I also don't think it's his, his jumpers as good as Hall's either. Um, obviously, like a different level of athlete. Yeah, then that's the thing is that Scrub is a really serious athlete. Like he blows by guys. Um, he can get up. Like he's a really serious athlete at six five six six and can shoot the ball. Um, I don't think he takes like momentum into his jumper very well. The problems are that he is a major ball stopper uh, and never passes. Uh, and then defensively, defensively, I'm 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 holding out again for a little bit because in the past I've thought that he was just like totally wretched. Um, but in the bit of a game that I've I've started watching from this past year, it seemed like he was less bad. Uh, so we'll see with that uh, TBD. Uh, but I do think Scrub is like a, a real prospect, yeah. but definitely yeah. not a great yeah. one. So we've reached the end here. <laughs> well, I mean, we need to. Okay, so so this is all going to be cut. Um, so you want what you want to outro us? Yeah. Uh, uh, again, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, again, one last time, if you had, if you have more questions, ask them during the live broadcast. Um, it's going to be a fun time. Um, come check us out on Twitch on draft night, talking about the draft and reacting. Uh, can follow the pod on Twitter at prep number two pro pod 
follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. Follow Max at Max A. Carlin. And with that, we'll see you all next time.